When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Friday morning, January 12, 2024. It is the Beating the Book podcast. Skill Alexander, not a megapod, not a guessing lines but something that has become a tradition, unlike any other here. A tennis slam, the Australian Open, tennis's first slam. And I was mentioning on a numbers game this morning, not like golf, where like you get to play a few months and then you get a slam. In tennis, it's like, did you just pick up your racket? Let's play a grand slam immediately. Uh, it's the Australian Open, tennis's first of four. And to handicap both macro and first round with us in all kinds of directions, it's the great Drew Dinsick, whale underscore capper on Twitter, and the co-host of both the Deep Dive and NBC Sports Bet the Edge podcast. Drew joins us from Long Beach. How you doing, Drew? I couldn't be doing better. I love this time of year. Love the Australian Open. Uh, and some years it's not uh, like, you know, some years it's like, it's, 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 uh, it's like oh, dip our toe in. This, is, this could be interesting. This year feels very consequential. We have so many interesting storylines as we uh, break into 2024. Um, the 2023 tennis cycle was as entertaining as any I can ever remember. Uh, so hopes are high that uh, we're going to have some pretty uh, spectacular stuff. Um, you know, just off the top of my head, the storylines are, you know, you know, <laughs> Djokovic was a Wimbledon win away from a, you know, calendar slam last year. People are obviously expecting him to, you know, repeat that success. But Alcaraz is now here uh, officially. He's got, uh, you know, a, a U.S. Open and a Wimbledon under his belt. Uh, people are all kind of expecting this could be the year that there's like a passing of the torch, as to, you know, in terms of who's the the best player on tour. Um, can Sinner break through? Is a fascinating, uh, you know, kind of. Um, uh, you know, secondary storyline for the men's side. And then on the women's side, um, you know, the women's game is in better uh, state than it has been in any year that I've bet women's tennis by far. Uh, You know, you have three bona fide, you know, like all time, like names that you'll talk about amongst the, you know, best ever women's players. And they're all like really close right now to the peak that they've ever played. And they're all kind of in, in good health, good form, uh, they have different skill sets that make them excel on different conditions. So it's, you know, it, it, it's going to be um, uh, a pretty incredible calendar uh, for tennis in 2024. And, uh, you know, no but no better way to start it than, uh, you know, with the slam right out of the gate. Yeah. Talking about Sviatek, Sabalenka and Rabakina is what Drew is talking about there. The three on the lady side. Uh, before we get into it, we'll start with the men since <clears throat> since you started with it. We'll start with the men. But we, I want to send a shout out to Dan Weston. Uh, Dan Weston usually joins us for these podcasts. Dan had open heart surgery here in the last week, and he is recovering well. 
uh, but Dan is a guy that we love. I got to hang out with Dan and his wife here when they were last in Las Vegas, went to dinner with him. Um, so love the dude and just wish him all the best. But as he uh, recovers, Drew and I will try to make him proud here doing an Australian Open uh, preview without him. So our, our thoughts are with Dan, though. Um, all right, let's start on the men's side, Drew. Well, you mentioned Novak Djokovic. So Novak Djokovic has won 10, count them, 10 Australian Opens. So besides Rafa on clay, this is the greatest turn, you know, Grand Slam player combination there ever has been. Yet, he has a wrist injury. And so, uh, even though he's the short shot here, and if you win 10 of these, I guess you're going to be no matter what. He's got a wrist injury, and a wrist is a wrist. I believe my mom used to say, as I said earlier today. So, you know, this is potentially serious. Obviously, the other players talking about outrights now, Carlitos, no matter what tournament he enters, he's always live. He's plus 350. Yannick Sinner, could this, you just mentioned it, could this finally be the time where he breaks through and wins a slam? I was hoping, you know, a year ago, we kind of said the same thing. It took most of the year for him to then kick it into high gear, and now he is definitely in that. And then I feel like, and I'll send it to you after this, but I feel like Daniil Medvedev might be sort of the forgotten guy here who's at 10 to 1. So let's just start with the wrist injury for Novak and how you process that. Yeah, uh, boy. Um, we kind of have to, and I, yeah, I love the setup there. Uh, it's worth noting that uh, Djokovic, of course, the winner of four of the last five Australian Opens. And the one he didn't win, uh, you know, he was defeated by paperwork, I guess, uh, or you know, just the health department in this of the the the, the state of <laughs> of Australia uh, didn't didn't uh, come come clean about uh, his uh, his health status. That's the only way that they can uh, keep him from winning this tournament, apparently. Um, but yeah, no, he the the um, didn't he travel? Thing, didn't he travel there and then they sent him back? Wasn't yeah, that? They, like, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, they had him like uh, they had him literally like quarantined in um, yeah. In, you know, whatever the, you know, the, the, uh, the airport uh, hotel, the airport. Yeah. They had him <laughs> yeah. in like, they had him in no man's land, uh, at right. the, you know, try, you know, not clearing customs cause, uh, cause of that nonsense. But yeah. Um, and you know, I think the 2023 calendar for Djokovic was kind of wild. Um, he was like unstoppable in Australia. That was, uh, you know, last year's Australian open win for him was, um, kind of not not really a sweat he dropped what one uh i think he dropped one set and it was to enzo uh enzo in a tie break uh, otherwise he um you know he was superlative there uh he defeated stefano sisipas in the final and it was uh, it was a little close i guess at the end there was some close tie breaks but uh he was untouchable uh he obviously defeated alcaraz at roland garros on his way to a title uh and then uh lost wimbledon to alcaraz before uh then win winning the, the us open the funny thing about his 2023 campaign was up into the us open title <clears throat> just there wasn't a lot of uh, kind of interstitial tournaments, right? He was just, he, he, he was relatively kind of focused on just the slams. Like he played, you know, some Rome, he played Cincinnati, but there wasn't a lot of other, um, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of other tournaments that he played. And I think that was strategic, right? Like he's kind of at the point now where he is zeroed in on, I'm, I'm winning slams. That's what I'm here to do. Like, forget about the rest of this, uh, uh, you know, titles on tour. They're not going to kind of add to my legacy. I just need to win slams. Um, and then, you know, he comes into the Paris tournament and like, he clearly was a little, little gassed from his Wimbledon since the U S open run. 
uh, you know, he, he had a couple months off there, I guess. But, uh, you know, he, he definitely wasn't in peak form in Paris. But he went, went on to win. Uh, he took some damage. Uh, he went to the Tour Finals. He took more damage. Uh, lost to Sinner, obviously, in the round robin before defeating Sinner in the final. Um, but I think I look at kind of the end of his season where he played a lot of tennis in Paris in the tour finals. And I kind of think like, man, like he got a little bit off, you know, he, he diverged a little from his his slam focus. Right. And it may have cost him a bit because he did pick up an, a wrist injury, as you mentioned. Um, he was not especially sharp in the Davis Cup finals at the end of November. Uh, he was not especially sharp in the United Cup. Uh, he had a, a pretty shocking loss to Alex Demonauer in the, the third match he played this year. Um, and pretty uh, resounding you know, loss, as you say, resounding yeah. Loss. Yeah. yeah, it was a resounding loss. And um, I look at uh, kind of a, the wrist injury and I think, OK, well, He's still obviously the favorite for this tournament. Uh, and before we saw the draw, I thought, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll take some no against him uh, at this kind of a price point because I think, you know, there's enough good other players and, you know, the wrist injury could be enough to, you know, kind of limit him. Um, and I think, honestly, with a good draw, I would have been pretty, you know, pretty unhappy with a no position. Uh, but I think the draw actually makes this uh, potentially very challenging for him. Like there are a number of uh, potential matches where he could have to go, you know, dig pretty deep here. Um, and the more tennis he plays in week one, uh, the less likely I think he is to win this tournament. And so, uh, yeah, I think, you know, his quarter is not especially weak. Uh, I think there's going to be tests at many stages here from, you know, not not in the first round, but certainly second, third, fourth and quarterfinal. Uh, so just getting out of his quarter, he could take some damage. And I think a wrist injury matters for Djokovic because it's like, <clears throat> you know, his it's it's not as important, uh, you know, on this surface, I wouldn't say. Um, but certainly if he's if he's unable to, uh, you know, kind of manifest, um, you know, his classic return style uh, and just, you know, just be able to, um, you know, neutralize the big serves with his, uh, you know, his a lot of it is wrist actually, uh, you know, then he, he may be a little bit susceptible here. So could end up eating these words. He's still the best, um, you know, men's tennis player, uh, going right now by margin. But, um, you know, it's, it's the, the, the wrist injury I think is, uh, is definitely, um, uh, you know, kind of a neutralizing factor here. Uh, and just in general, like 2024 does have the whiff of passing the torch, I would say. It does have that whiff. By the way, uh, in case you missed it, if you're uh, not a tennis hardo, as Drew likes to say, like we are, uh, no Rafa Nadal. Uh, one would assume that he is prepping for a final run at Roland Garros on clay. Um, so he is not uh, he is not participating in this tournament, nor would he have been, I would assume, for you. By the way, Nick Kyrgios not either. I, w I wouldn't have assumed that Nadal would have been part of your outright thoughts. Uh, in this e anyway, even if he had played? No, 100%, uh, because, I mean, and I I, you know, I said this to the, the Pinnacle guys, and I, I stick by it. <laughs> I think Nadal out of the tournament hurts Djokovic because Nadal's the kind of player that would have done some cleanup duty well, on some of the, you know, on some of the intermediate it's a, it's players It's a good point, here. yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, so Nadal, Nadal would have been very, very long odds to beat Djokovic on this surface, like, borderline impossible for me to see it happening. <laughs> but Nadal could definitely have knocked out a bunch of the younger players, intermediate players on this tournament and made it a little bit easier for Djokovic in terms of just who he has to face, I guess. I think that's um, a good point. So, yeah. you know, it, it, now, now, you know, Djokovic is going to have to do it himself. Um, and, you know, you have a number of these kind of younger guys 
Um, and I'll just, you know, in no particular order, actually in a particular order of when he would have to face them, you know, Popperin in round two looks tough. Echeverry in round three looks tough. Shelton in round four, if he gets there, would be tough. Uh, and then Sissipas, who plays his best tennis in Australia in the quarterfinals, will be tough. Uh, Sinner in the semifinals potentially would be tough. Uh, and then Alcaraz in the final would be tough. So, like, you know, really, like, there's kind of a, a, a path for Djokovic to get to his, um, you know, to get to a championship here that takes him through every kind of good young uh high ceiling uh player and you know a lot of those guys that i mentioned particularly shelton sinner and alcraz like we don't really know where their ceilings are like they're still improving they're on the come up like you know we don't know what and and actually in particular (laughs) with sinner and alcraz because i want to hear your kind of thoughts on this but like neither of these guys has played since the tour finals really like we don't really know what they've done with their off season to try to continue to improve their games there's going to be some surprises djokovic is very 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 underreported how incredibly um analytical he is in terms of coming up with the game plan to take apart his opponent on a given surface for the given conditions and the fact that there's a little bit of an unknown with what alcaraz and center are bringing to the table i think gives them an advantage in this uh, and I think ultimately, if you're betting against Djokovic in this tournament, you're basically betting on there is a ceiling for those two players in particular uh, that is good enough to beat Djokovic even on a good day. Uh, and I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, just to review what Drew said, qualifier to start, I think it's Prisvik. Uh, Popperin, I put Murray down. You put someone else in the uh, third round. You, who did you put in the third round besides? Hey, I'll put, I, I put Echeverry there. Echeverry. But just because yeah. Yeah, he's, he's. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows, though? It could Who be Murray. Could, could be, be Murray. Who knows? Uh, then Shelton or, <laughs> Shelton or Manorino I had written down. Shelton probably. Uh, Tsitsipas Fritz. Remember, Tsitsipas got to the finals. Uh, Djokovic dispatched him in, uh, in straight sets last year. I, be- I believe two were tiebreakers. Um, Taylor Fritz not in top form uh, right now. Got another guy who's kind of overplayed, to use your... Uh, you know, your your thoughts on maybe Djokovic has overplayed a little bit uh, per his schedule. Fritz has certainly overplayed. Then it is Sinner in the semis. And I know uh, from your appearance on a numbers game earlier this week, you have something to say about Sinner. And then Alcaraz or Medvedev, I've written down in the final. But to your point about like the ceiling of Alcaraz and the ceiling of Sinner and the ceiling of Shelton, it's it's just so true. And I'm, I'm looking at just three month data. Uh, for yep. like who are the best who have been the best recent like super recent players on tour just in terms of serve data return data um, and I have that list at on the uh, on the men's side I have it as Shelton in no particular order it well I'll do it in order Draper in very few matches Diminor Shelton like that that group of three we're talking about so 100 is about average 110 is elite, and then if you get in the 120s, you're like in GOAT, you know, Djokovic, Sviatek uh, area. But these guys are hovering at around 108, 107, 106-ish, talking about Draper, Diminor, and, uh, and Shelton. So, yeah, and Shelton got to the semi. Did Shelton get to the semis here last year? Um, or am I thinking, you know, he got to the quarters last year before yeah. Tommy yeah, Paul he was beat him. Last year. So yeah, this he, was, this yeah, was his breakout, good. yeah. Yeah, he made it to the semis in U.S. Open. So U.S. The two Open. hard courts. Shelton was incredible at the two hard court uh, yeah. slams last year, and he's under a little bit of pressure because he's got a defensive points. So we'll see about Shelton. Yeah. Um, you know, he uh, he was obviously he's playing in Auckland, but he just bounced. He just got bounced. Draper, you mentioned, I absolutely love him. I love that uh, uh, that that kid. He uh, need him to come home for me and. Um, uh, 
uh, where are they playing? Adelaide. Oh, oh, Adelaide. Yeah, Adelaide. Adelaide. Um, thank yeah, you. So thank very, you giving, uh, for giving me the opportunity to say that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Adelaide, uh, and uh, ultimately, like, yeah, that he's he's got uh, uh, he's got a huge huge potential ceiling. But yeah, no, um, <clears throat> yeah, Sinner's Sinner's the one uh, that I have circled largely just because uh, he right now is at his peak. Uh, peak of his powers, uh, you know, he's on the uh, come up and, um, you know, I'm, I'm very, very excited to see what 2024 has for him in terms of, um, you know, where, where his game goes. Uh, and, and honestly, like there's a little bit of a whiff of, uh, or there was a whiff of, you know, choke, chokishness, uh, in uh, slam settings for center at times in his career to this point. But, um, you know, I like what we saw from him in the tour finals going head to head with Djokovic, getting the win in the round Robin stage was pretty cool. And then backing that up with, uh, you know, getting to the final before ultimately kind of running out of gas, like just the fact that he has gotten a couple of big wins, I think, um, you know, is, is enough uh, signal for me to believe that he's shaken some of the, uh, uh, you know, kind of mental, mental baggage that comes along with, uh, kind of breaking out. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let me go through this. Well, first, before I go through this player by player, because I want you to do a little word association, not a word association, but like give me a sentence on each of these guys in terms of anybody else out there who's listening who might be thinking of playing any of these guys. But do you, do you get the sense that because we are living in a world of a Djokovic, Alcaraz, Sinner, Medvedev quarters that it almost paralyzed you from quarters bets? Because that's how I looked at it. I was like, well, Draper is 11 to 1 in his, but do I really want to play that? Because I definitely think those four guys are appropriately priced. I don't know if it gave you a little paralysis in those markets. Yeah, no, it 
with without question yeah. um i think and i really like it just put put me on my heels in terms of well do you approach this differently right <laughs> like right. rather than looking for the long shot are you just trying to synthesize a different way to kind of uh uh you know make make something out of the favorites and i guess of the three um of the four medvedev is the one that you would say would be the most susceptible um now granted he's only losing to the top other three guys right, right. like medvedev's not dropping a lot of matches to uh you know kind of the run-of-the-mill players on yeah. tour he's he's pretty clearly got a pretty high floor um, so it's, it's, it's dicey going, you know, aggressively against him. And, uh, and honestly, there was nobody in his, uh, third quarter that like is especially in form outside of Grigor Dimitrov. Um, and I guess maybe he's kind of the one, the one guy that you would circle and, and ask, is he, is this, is this like the potential for him to finally realize something special? Um, you know, Australian open, I think has been his best, uh, you know, has generally has been his best performances that i can remember seeing i know maybe he, he had the one great run in the one, u.s open one great u.s open run yeah 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 but his uh semifinals in 2017 that was the best tennis that i've ever seen him play he ultimately i think lost to nadal in the semifinals that year uh but it was a five-set match my, um, my most was, vivid recollection my most vivid recollection of him at the australian open sorry to interrupt you drew was when he was playing yeah. karatsev remember the year that karatsev got to the semifinals and like dimitrov oh, yeah, just yeah. like pissed away a set by just like hitting the ball everywhere that's my biggest dimitrov australian open memory but you're right i mean i agree with that first of all i agree with everything you're saying the, the that Djokovic, if he's hampered at all, that those other guys on his path, whether it's Shelton, whether it's Sinner, if they're playing at their top, have the potential, right? I think that's a sentence we can all agree on. Have a potential. If they're on their A game and Djokovic is, is in any way diminished, that could be dicey for Djokovic. And I do think that, that the Medvedev thing is, you know, this is just to let people know who are not, you know, into tennis. So there's grass is the fastest, clay is the slowest. Uh, and there's gradations of hard. And so, you know, my I remember when I was in Indian Wells, right? Medvedev complained his whole way through <laughs> through Indian Wells because he was like, this is hard courts. This is like the slowest, grimiest thing. <laughs> this is his kind of hard court, right? Like, this is yeah, fast. Right. This is perfect for him. So I don't have a bet on it. I'm just saying. Let me let me just do some word association or some name association and sure. get your thoughts. Uh, sure. Holger Rune. Yeah, I think uh, uh, his... The second half of 2023 was a massive disappointment. Um, he has he, he has to kind of prove to me that he's in you know is good enough physical form to be able to uh, to win seven best of fives, and he actually has to prove that he can get through some of these matches without um, you know making them longer than they ought to be. Uh, I have no Holgarune in this tournament, uh, although like w won't be shocked to see him make a little bit of a run here. His section is soft. Herkatch is the other kind of top-seeded player in there. I don't hold him in especially high regard uh, right now, the way I'm rating him. Uh, Umber in that section is not spooky. Greek Spore might not make it to the second round. He's got to face uh, Roman uh, Safalin in the first round. He could be out early. Ar Arter Fies uh, is of, of interest because he's kind of a young guy. We don't know where his ceiling is. Uh, Fies Rune in round three would be freaking amazing. Um, but I think Rune ultimately gets to your quarterfinals here. And if it's against Medvedev, that's probably where it ends. Uh, I don't think he has necessarily the right game for this, these conditions. Uh, so this is, this is an opportunity for Rune to kind of learn about how to play the Australian open more than I think it is realistic that he could uh, be a contender. Where are you on him? Yeah, I, I think he, there was a point last year where I was like, oh, he's going to get to the top before Sinner is. And then no, 
after yeah, that, it just kind of fell, kind of fell off the wayside. And he's always live. He's a tough out no matter what, I think. But yeah, his form late, like I'm looking at his six month numbers are just not that good at all. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm he's, gonna, he's only 20. Yeah. And he played too much tennis in the first half of the year and just kind of completely physically fell apart in the second half. What it, like, it's one thing for the young guys to overplay. What, it, what do you make of like, because you mentioned Djokovic, right? Djokovic had that seemed to have gotten into this mode of, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to win slams. Do you think he like lost sight of that for a second? If I had to, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm, I'm I'll, I'll armchair psychologize a little bit, I guess. Um, you know, kind of reflecting after winning the U.S. Open, maybe kind of just sat back and was like, okay, this is the final chapter. Um, you know, maybe I will go to yeah. Paris and try. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, I don't know how many more of these I'll get. Uh, and so like there, there could have been, there could be a little bit of like he is looking at the end of the road here or he feels like he is. Um, I don't know. I, I, I honestly, I, like <clears throat> the, you know, I mean, maybe we're making too much of this. It's possible. Uh, but there were a couple of matches in Paris where it's not a, it's not a that's, Paris is kind of the tournament that matters, like kind of the least of all of the big, you know, big prize, big money, big, you know, prestige. Cause, and it's usually the one where there's just random ass stuff happens. Like remember if Krajanovich one year made a super deep run out of nowhere, Jack oh. sock, did Jack sock win that one year? Like there, there's, it, it, <laughs> it's, it's the one masters. That's like a little bit of a, huh? Yeah. What? Like, it kind of just doesn't have, you know, it doesn't have the same pedigree as a lot of the other ones do. And, uh, you know, he was in trouble big time. Uh, a couple of, uh, matches early in that one. I'm looking at, uh, against Greek spore. He was in deep trouble, uh, in a tie break down a set, uh, against Rune. He was in deep trouble, uh, against Rublev. He was in deep trouble and he dug, you know, he dug down and, uh, fought through those matches, uh, before beating Dimitrov in the final. And then like, you know, Djokovic with a little bit more focus on, you know, the Aussie 2024 probably just, you know, he call he pulls pulls the ripcord <laughs> in the in the third round, right? Like he's not fighting through uh, you know, adversity against talent Greek sport. He's he's just uh he's he's like, okay, let's go to Tor Finals and you know, we'll we'll try there. Uh but yeah, he 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 really he really went to the went to the mattresses at Paris for some weird reason. I just want to throw some more names at you, Drew, just because I think there's people out there thinking about some guys, and I, I kind of know the answers, I think, probably coming up on some, but I just want to throw them out nonetheless to sure. be thorough. Uh, Andre Rublev. Yeah, just a, a perfect example of a guy who makes it to the uh, fourth round and then or the quarterfinals or the and, then, and then calls it like, like super narrow range of a stage of elimination, round four or quarterfinals, and that's it. Mr. Quarterfinals, yeah. Uh, what about Sasha Zverev? Oh boy. Uh, he got a nice draw. Uh, there's nobody in, uh, in his, uh, subsection of section, you know, of the, of the fourth quarter, uh, that is especially spooky. Uh, Rude Zverev in round four looks like a high likelihood, um, you know, round four match to me. <clears throat> I hold Rude a little higher. Uh, than the market does right now because I think he did a good job of like the hard reset. He looked like he needed it and got it. Um, and now he's coming in with like this, you know, the, the, a proper seating and a proper, uh, you know, expectation and he might do something uh, cool here. So I think Zverev probably goes out to Rude in the fourth round. And if Zverev gets by Rude in round four, I think he's going to be on fumes and Alcaraz gets by him in, in straights. So uh, to me, at least Zverev has a, a pretty similar 
uh, narrow band of stage of elimination, just like Rublev. Like both of those guys, I will be blown away if they don't make round four, and I will be very surprised if they make it to the semifinals. You just mentioned Casper Ruud in there. Casper Ruud, who was in two slam finals a couple years ago, and none last year. Do I have that timing right? I believe I do. Um, where do yeah, you stand had, on him yeah. now? His uh, 2023 campaign was a lost year, yeah. and it was because he played so much tennis late into 2022 and played through the uh, the changeover uh, of the calendar uh, instead of just regrouping. Um, and yeah, I think uh, having a full hard reset is going to help him uh, be closer to what we saw in 2022 than anything in 2023. Uh, that said, uh, his 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 slams where he could realistically make noise at the French Open and. Uh, and the U.S. Open, it's not here. Tsitsipas, who got to the finals last year and who does have good history on this court. Yeah. I want to believe. <laughs> I want to believe. I know, man. <laughs> I know. I, I want to believe, but uh, at the same time, like, he made a mess of the tour finals with his decision to go and then pull out. Um, he's obviously kind of dealing with some injury concerns that are significant. Um, but, uh, this is his, you know, his, his best chance at a slam now is probably here. Um, yeah. I, at one point thought it might've been the French open, but now too many players have kind of passed him in terms of clay quality. Um, so it's, it's, it's for whatever reason, uh, he loves playing in Melbourne. He gets huge support from the Greek crowd that loves tennis and loves Sissipas. Um, and that tends to help him elevate his quality of play here. Uh, his draw is soft ish, I guess. Um, but I, I guess it's, I think of it as soft because I, I think, you know, both Sarundalo, Massetti and Fritz are all three guys that I have a, like a, uh, Sharpie line through. And when I, you know, but even before we saw the draw, I'm like, will not bet, will not bet, will not bet. Throw outs. Um, yeah. So yeah, they're, they're, they're complete tosses. So Sissipas probably gets to the uh, quarterfinals. Uh, the question of him finding enough, um, finding enough weaponry to, take more than a set off Djokovic is probably where I, I stop. I, I don't think he realistically could beat Djokovic, but I think he could do enough damage to make Djokovic's uh, semifinal match against center tougher. All right. Last three names, and then we'll move on to if there's anything in the first round you've better that you can't wait to see. Uh, last three names. We've mentioned one of them, which is Alex Dimonor. And the reason I bring him up yeah. is not only has his numbers been great here in the short term, they've actually been great six months and 12 months also. He is Australian, to whatever extent you feel like a home crowd would help him. How deep do you think he can go? Oh, boy. So, I agree with you. His numbers are very, very, like, sneaky impressive. Sneaky impressive, um, yes. Uh, I would make him the sixth, sixth choice overall uh, to win this title. Who's um, fifth? Who's fifth behind the ones we just mentioned at the top? Just a just a hair behind Zverev, okay. a hair. Okay. Uh, and actually, he beats Zverev head-to-head, -head, so maybe I should revisit that. But um, I would put Dimonaro over Rublev, Dimonaro over Rune, over Sissipas, over Dimitrov, um, and then there's really nobody else that really warrants consideration. Um, and I was hopeful that he wouldn't land in Sinner's quarter because I'd played some Sinner. <laughs> At six, and yeah. I was like, you know, it'd be a real bummer if Demon Hour ended up in Sinner's quarter because he does have a ceiling that he can beat Sinner, and I think actually he did last fall. 
uh, I want to say in, was it Vienna? Um, I don't exactly remember don't where remember. Yeah. Sinner lost to him. It was in Paris. Demon Hour took him out. Oh, no, that was a walkover. Excuse me. So, yeah, maybe maybe I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I was confusing. Oh, yeah, he lost to, uh, uh, um, Sinner lost to Shelton in Shanghai. That's right. And then uh, Demon Hour got by him via walkover. Do you believe um, on but... walkovers, by the way, Drew? Uh, Matt Brown, Kelly Billen, and I, when we used to do primetime action, uh, I used to complain all the time about walkovers and getting bets refunded because, you know, I'd be leading sure. and then the person I was backing would be leading and the, the opponent would walk off the court. And we, we decided that when you quit in the middle of a match, you should physically have to lay down and the opponent has to walk over you just for the shame of what you're doing. Do you believe in that at all? I think that is such a great idea, especially I on, like showmanship. Yeah. yeah, on clay where your you know your clothes are dirty. I think it's the best on clay. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your Timidor thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I guess uh, so. Sinner is six and zero actually in matches against Demon Hour head to head. So you know maybe I shouldn't be that spooked, but yeah, Demon Hour uh, definitely has a high enough ceiling to where uh, fourth round is a bare minimum expectation here. His his little subsection is super soft. Uh, he can beat Rublev. Demon Hour versus Sinner is my expectation for the second quarter quarter final, uh, and I'm tipping it to Sinner. Um, but if Demon Hour shocks and, and takes Sinner out at that stage, I, I don't think any of us should be surprised considering what his numbers look like right now. I agree. All right, last two. Um, we mentioned we mentioned a lot of these guys. Um, Tommy Paul. Where Ooh. do you stand on him now? Yeah, I. I, I yeah, he he looks uh, he looks interesting because of where he landed. Just because he has some sort of he's a little bit of Alcaraz's kryptonite for weird, weird reasons. I, I don't understand it personally, um, but um, uh, he got what's the right word? Embarrassed by Jack Draper in Adelaide, yeah. uh, and Jack Draper's lined up to play him in round two here. Yeah. So he may have a uh, he he is a guy that I think a, a, an early exit would be less surprising, um, but. Um, you know, it's it's uh, you know, he's he he's he's done the best of the Americans besides Shelton at uh, slam level for whatever it's worth. So uh, he has some sort of uh, intestinal fortitude that's worth paying attention to. And usually, if you get beat, you usually you can come back a lot in on these pro circuits and beat your opponent. But if you get crushed like that, it's a different story. Um, and then last, anything on Hatchinoff or Korda? Any thoughts on either of those two guys? Um, well, Korda is a huge injury risk, so yeah. he's not a guy I can get involved with in the uh, futures market at all. And Hatchinov uh, is pretty out of form and, and really, uh, I don't think, has played his best tennis is six-ish months behind us. Yeah. So well. uh, it would be I would be surprised if he finds a, a gear here. He looks like a guy that probably tunes up for the clay swing starting and then maybe makes noise in the fall. But I only bring uh, him up because low, low expectations for him this winter. Yeah, spring. he got to the semis here last year. Only reason I bring him up. But yes, not mm -hmm. not his top form. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. 
With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We should probably point out before we get to the first round matches, and by the way, I like the women's side, which we're about to get to, I don't remember seeing this many awesome first round matchups. Not quite as awesome on the men's side, but we'll get your initial thoughts. Just one other thing I want to point out. These are best of fives on the men's side. Um, so if you're new to betting tennis or if you're new-ish, just a reminder that on the men's side in slams, it's best of five. It's not your standard best of three. And so when you do best of fives, there's going to be, you know, by contrast, you might have more upsets on, on the ladies' side just from a sample size standpoint, right? But when you play best of fives, and especially in a court like this, you tell me if I'm wrong, Drew, the chances of tiebreakers become that much more uh, possible. Multiple tiebreakers in matches, fast courts, best of fives. Djokovic is the king of tiebreakers. But there's all but there's always something in the back of my mind, right, where I'm like, is that sustainable forever? Right? He's yeah. and, and then, you know, because normally unless you're John Isner, one thinks that tiebreakers are sort of not random, but you're gonna win as as much as you're gonna lose sometimes. So I'm just curious if you think besides Djokovic, is there someone out there that you think is particularly advantageous on the men's side if they get to tiebreakers? Oof. Uh, <clears throat> do you believe the so, premise? By the way, do you agree with the premise of what I said? Yeah, tiebreakers are coin flips. <clears throat> yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, it's just the nature of how, uh, you know, it kind of comes down to uh, high leverage points uh, as opposed to being able to put together sustained winning on return or on surf, right? Like in order to get a break, like you need to put together some sustained high quality <laughs> to break surf on this surface, especially, right? Yeah. But in a tie break, you just need one lucky return, <laughs> right? You need your opponent to, um, you know, and, and like what actually levels things in my opinion is um, particularly on this court, I, I feel like, um, because when we say when we say stuff like oh yeah the, a, a fast hard court like this favors you know players with a good serve, well it's not like a good serve in my opinion in terms of speed here right like like yeah if you can serve fast like yeah cool but it's to me at this court <clears throat> it's much more about placement and variety and being able to kind of disguise where you're going right because the surface is going to mitigate speed differential. Basically. Sure. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, and, and like, if you can force your opponent to be unprepared for where the serve is coming, like, where is it going to land out wide down the tee? Like, like if you can place it in the like corners, 
if you can paint the corners here with your serve and kind of misdirection with your your body and your toss and where it's going to go, that's a huge huge advantage. And it's, so it's it's not as much just looking at um, uh, it, that you can tease out of the data uh, looking at hard, fast hard courts w with high ace percentage. Surely, who guys players who are good at that? Um, but um, you know, it, it, that that's something that kind of comes with uh, age and experience. And you know, that that was what made. Uh, you know, players like Federer are so phenomenal on on this particular court. Um, and, you know, Djokovic being able to read and react uh, and get serves back that have no business coming back is what makes him <laughs> so good on this court. So, um, but yeah, no, tie, tie breaks are, are phenomenally high variance. Um, and if you are going for, you know, if you're pressing, if you're going for the corners and you're, you're missing and you're giving your opponent looks at second serve, like those are that, that's what decides a lot of this stuff. Um, and you know, I, I, um, I mean, I, I think, you know, you, you can specifically look at players who have put together solid runs of form here. Ben Shelton last year is a great example, young player with a very, very phenomenal serve and who does have the ability to kind of give you variety and get disguise it and hasn't played as much, um, you know, tour level tennis to where he's predictable. Uh, he's a guy that I would expect to be able to pull out uh, tie breaks at a higher, uh, higher clip. Um, and <clears throat> You know, I think he's the only guy off the top of my head that really comes to I mind. But I think uh, that's a great yeah. answer because without actually searching his data on it, he feels like in my mind's eye, he's always winning tiebreakers. Like yeah, yeah. every match I ever see him win, he's like going nuts during a tiebreaker, basically. Yeah, let me, let me, yeah, yeah, I think uh, off, yeah, flat out off the top of my head, he's the guy that really stands out. Um, and uh, let me see here. The uh, Alcaraz is obviously way up there. Artrophies, uh, another young player from France. Uh, he's a guy that stands out from my numbers in terms of tiebreak win percentage. Draper? Um, a Draper at all? <clears throat> I'm curious if Draper is up there. Uh, let me take a look. He is not near the top neutrally, um, but if we zero in on uh, uh, on uh, hardcore, I suppose he would be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a... It's a... Uh, no. uh, it's, it's a uh, um, all right. I, just, I was just curious because that's something people need to keep in mind. I think Shelton's a good answer to that. Last thing on the men's side before we go to the women's. Uh, first round matches, uh, lines are up now. We're starting to get the schedule sort of as we do this Friday morning. We're starting to get a better sense of who's playing when. This tournament starts now for those who are listening in the U.S., you're probably going to be watching football when this starts. So super wild card weekend. This will probably this during the Peacock game between the Chiefs and the Dolphins is when the Australian Open actually starts. So whether that's what, 7 p.m. ish Eastern or 4 p.m. Pacific, somewhere in that pocket. Don't hold me to the exact time on that, but that's right around there where this tournament starts. Is there a men's first round match that you have bet, Drew, to this point? Or is there one that you're looking at where you're like, oh, I could see myself yeah. having a position on that? Uh I think uh, the most ex the most intriguing and exciting match we already kind of mentioned it's Roman Safulin versus Greek Spore. Um, really, really high quality, uh, you know, first round match there in terms of two players who I think have, you know, decent ceilings and are in decent form right now. Um, that one looks like uh, the easiest bet to the over for me. I was hoping we were going to get a bettable price on the money line for Safalin. It opened in like the minus 200 range, I want to say. Minus 192. Yeah, it opened way, way up there. And it's uh, it's basically like it was a good number. Like it hasn't really moved much. Um, but Greek Spore is not a player that I think is is a, a walkover, you know, lay down here at all. Um, over 40 games is a fair, a fair play there because I think that one's going to go five sets potentially. Um, the... Um, 
How about Dimonora's uh, playing Raonic? Didn't Raonic retire? Like, what happened there? Did I miss <laughs> on that? Yeah, he's, this is probably his last. Okay. Uh, this I was gonna is say. probably his last hurrah. I think he's using up all of the. Um, this is going to sound disrespectful, I guess. I think he's using up all of his, like, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, protected ranking stuff to oh. get into these uh, slams for I the see. payday, probably. Yeah. <laughs> One last time. Probably that so. wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't be shocking. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a, the, the, another interesting match, uh, a dog I like on this one is Yannick Hanfman. Uh, I like his game for the hardcore, fast hardcore. He's taken on Gael Monfi, who we haven't really seen any evidence that he's going to be able to find, um, you know, super uh, impressive level here. Uh, and Yannick Hampman as a dog against Monfi gives you one of the my favorite bets of, of all, which is you get to take the games. And if you're betting against Monfi with the games, then you are opening up the opportunity of Monfi doing well early and then... <laughs> preserving himself in <laughs> the third or fourth set right no and so, he doesn't do that <laughs> what are you talking there's about couple, <laughs> yeah. there's a couple players like that where yeah he's very very tough to beat you don't necessarily want to go against him on the money line yeah. um but taking plus three and a half games for instance uh with a player like yana pompman um basically in order for monfi to win to cover three and a half games uh, I think he has to win in straights, and I don't think he's in the, that kind of a fitness level right now, uh, where that fear, where I fear that at all. So if I could only have one bet at, at, on any match in uh, round one of the men's side, I'd take three and a half games with Yannick Hoffman. Yeah, who well, I've won on as a as a dog outright in the past in several different tournaments uh, over time. But yeah, that makes sense against Mofi. There are actually some great. I mean. I mentioned Raonic, who you know used to be a, a phenomenal server, and I don't I don't know that he can beat Dimonor, but you know just talk about names. Vavrinka is playing Manorino in the first round. Um, Stan Vavrinka, who has won multiple slams, cool. Manorino's minus two fifty six in that, and then where was the other one? I just caught my eye, where I'm like, oh wow, that's interesting. Well, Lloyd Harris is a big favorite over Quentin Hallis. Quentin Hallis is a big server, isn't he? Did I have that wrong? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that, is a yeah, is a beautiful serve. That's interesting yeah. to me. And then there was another yeah. one that led. How about how? By the way, how far has uh, Van de Zandschulp sunk? Um, <laughs> yeah, you, that might have been a flash in the pan. Yeah, it might have <laughs> been a flash out. in the pan. And then the last one, where was I? I want to find it. Just caught my eye. There's a lot. Bonzi Musetti is interesting. Tsitsipas yep. is playing Berrettini. That's. I mean, that two years ago would have been a you know a semifinal, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Now Tsitsipas is a massive favorite there. Oh, Tiafo and Borna Koric, anything with Borna Koric? Anything there? No, nothing. No, 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 no. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, but Tiafo, by the way, is a player that you, if you, I'm not backing him off of US soil. Either. No, 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 thank you. Yeah. Um, just in general of the middle class, like I had a bunch of these, we kind of already mentioned it. I had a bunch of these guys circled as hot fades. Uh, and I didn't get the matchups where I'm really interested in the dogs in round one. Um, but uh, in no particular order, Hubie Hercatch, I think, is a uh, potential for an early out, early exit here. He's your nine seed. Taylor Fritz, your 12 seed, we mentioned. Uh, Hatchinoff, your 15 seed. Uh, Tiafo, your 17 seed. Nico, Nico Jerry, your 18 seed. Um, we didn't, uh, we, we, maybe we, 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 do we owe it to the listeners uh, to give Scam Nori a shout here? Uh, yeah. Scam Nori is a, uh, he is, he is an Iron Man. Yes. Best of five tennis. He overperforms. Do not look past Scam Nori beating your favorite player because he'll do it.
Um, I think uh, Umber is uh, uh, is you know not a player I'm interested in in this tournament. 22 seed Francisco Sarindolo might be um, playing the worst tennis of any of the seeded players right now. He was an absolute hot mess. Jan Leonard Stroof um, got into the rankings with uh, you know some pretty unimpressive play uh, last year in my opinion, and I think he's um, going to plummet out uh, and could be an early exit. Um, and, uh, yeah, then you have some guys who particularly, you know, excel on clay, like Sebastian Baez, who, you know, kind of out of his element, maybe just here for a paycheck. So, um, yeah, that's kind of a roundup of okay. sort of the middle class and, and guys who could crash out early because, you know, that in from memory, the Australian Open, there are players who are not really ready to start their season, period. They're yeah, not ready. Not ready. And they're here for a little bit of sponsorship money, you know, a round one, round two paycheck. Uh, and then uh, let's go. Uh, let's go carry on with our holiday. It's it's crazy how how quick to the beginning of the tennis season the slam is, right? Like that's how we started yeah. this show. So a couple of things there. One, it's, it's an official podcast because Drew said scam nori. Uh, <laughs> and two, just from again, just from an American betting standpoint, like I know you're into Wild Card Weekend as as heavily as anybody, as I am. Yeah, football's our first love. This this, this tournament starting so all the first round matches where it's just like. Uh, just a crap load of tennis matches right as the as you know Saturday and Sunday footballs go actually in between overnight right like how are you just functioning like what's your balance like what do you tell the wife what do you say uh well I mean I'm I, my eyes already started twitching <laughs> because I'm not getting enough sleep yeah. and I'm uh, feeling the pressure of all this going on at the same time but uh um you know I I my my secret for Australian Open and and uh you know anyone that wants to that lives in the United States uh, feel free to uh borrow this um the radio broadcast for the Australian Open is outstanding they have some of the best tennis announcers in the world calling those matches uh, and it's better for you, in my opinion, at least to be listening than to be kind of up in the middle of the night looking at a screen and, you know, having the, uh, you know, the light kind of <laughs> effing with your brainwaves. That's, <laughs> so, that's how it is for uh, me. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I uh, at some point, like two in the morning, if I'm still up and I'm still interested, if I have a, a match that I really care about, I'll just put the headphones in and listen. What, uh, uh, what, what to, network uh, are you listening to? Uh it goes out via the Australian Open app. So, but it's free app, free app, free app. Oh, and, off the uh, app. They, they, gotcha. Off yeah, the app. Free, it's a, Australian Open has a free app, and okay. um, they 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 are paying like Gigi Salmon and uh, you know Robbie Koenig, uh, like really really high quality uh, play by play people doing the radio for that. Uh, and That's it's, awesome. Uh, it's it's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Uh, ready to talk some women's tennis? Women's yeah, side. for sure. All right. We so buried you, the lead. We buried the lead. <laughs> so you just talked about preparation. Um, all right. So quick review. Um, Iga Sviatek was number one in the world 75 weeks in a row. And you could tell it was wearing on her last year. And she had a swoon um, in 2023. A swoon for her, by the way, it should be pointed out, because she still won more tournaments than anybody. She still got herself a slam. But some expectations were not meant. Once that monkey was off her back, and I say this all the time with Beijing, it seemed like when she won Beijing, it was kind of her message to everybody, oh, I hope you enjoyed it while you could. She's won four slams, three of them at Roland Garros. She's won one U.S. Open. She's trying for her fifth slam here. And when I say, you know, like the slam begins right at the beginning and you can find out who's prepared and who's not, you know, 
part of it is not just me sort of tongue-in-cheek saying, oh, I hope you guys enjoyed it while you can. Uh, J-Rod, who I know you're in communication with on Twitter, does such a great job for me of keeping me abreast of every little tweak Iga has in her game. And so she has really yeah. worked on some stuff. She is ready to go. But here's the issue, and this is why we don't do the, you know, we try to do these slam podcasts post-draw as opposed to pre. You got a big three in women's tennis in Rabakina, Sabalenka, and Sviatek, who Drew just talked about eloquently at the top. Apologies to, to the Coco Golf people out there um, for not including her in that group. But uh, those are the big, that's the big three. And so when you ever have a three in anything, whether it's men's or women's, you're going to get a random draw where one of those three is going to be on one half and two are going to be on the other half. And however that unfolds really ought to trigger bets. Now, some of us are idiots like myself who just go crazy pre-draw anyway. Okay, I'm in the tank for Iga. Iga did not get the best of this. She ended up on the same side as Rabakina. Sabalenka was the one who got the best of it. She's on the half by herself, quote-unquote, of those three. She does have Coco Golf on her side. But she, of the big three, got the half to herself. And so, Drew, I throw it to you. What did that do to your betting immediately when the draw came out? Uh, so the, um, the major takeaway was the Rabakana landing on the top. You meant, you said it, um, people were kind of, uh, pretty quick. And I was too looking at sort of the rest of the players in Q1 with Iga and kind of, you know, a little bit of a, you know, WTF. What, 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 what did she do to deserve this? Yes. Uh, Sophia Kennan won the title here. Uh, why are we playing her in round one? Uh, it's, it's, yeah, we'll get into that. Her whole path. Angie, 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 yeah, Angie Kerber won a title here. Why are we playing her in round two? That's right. Uh, yeah. oh, I, guess, uh, I, I guess we should just go there. Yeah, keep going. Keep going. Elena Smidalina, uh, she beat her at Wimbledon last year. Why are we playing her potentially in round four? Uh, Yelena Ostapenko <laughs> is kind of, she's the kryptonite for Ega. Why are we playing her in the quarterfinal? Uh, and then all that before Rabakana. I will say that like. It's brutal. Uh, it's, 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 it's not a good draw um, at all. That said, I don't think any of these women realistically have a, a meaningful opportunity to defeat her. Yeah. It's just going to be that she's going to need to play. She's going to need to play locked in tennis, no mistakes, no uh, kind of no margin for having an off day uh, in at any point in her seven match you know, stretch. She's got to be sharp against Kennan. She's got to be sharp against Kerber, probably playing Linda Noskova in the third round. She's very, you know, very, very solid up and coming young player. Yeah. Um, I put, you know, I then, put Buskova yeah. down, but yeah, you're probably right. Could be Noskova. Yeah. But, but both players uh, yeah. can, can reach a very high level on any given day. Uh, Kuder Matova as obviously has slam choke issues, but she could be a tough out. Uh, Svitolina certainly uh, has proven she could be a tough out in round four. Um, yeah. And, and Yelena Ostapenko is playing some of the best tennis we've <laughs> seen from her in a long time uh, i would expect to see her uh, as your quarterfinal opponent for Iga. so uh and yeah ostapenko beat her at the u.s open i believe uh, so it's you know they, there is a lot of women with pedigree uh yeah. and with uh kind of head-to-head -head success against Iga that she's gonna have to play in this tournament so she's gonna have to find another level mentally i think to get it done um but the you know the key and you brought it up already and we you know, i think everybody needs to pay, to kind of acknowledge this rabakana is the um uh the sleeping giant uh, in this, uh, you know, in this field besides Iga. It's not Sabalenka, who I know is the defending champion. Uh, there are people who have probably talked themselves into Sabalenka bets, just seeing that Iga uh, and um, uh, Rabakin are on the top and Sabalenka has the bottom to herself. 
I think uh, ultimately the the uh, number one ranked player in this field right now is Iga, uh, and number one hardcore ranking for me is Iga. Uh, she is close to the peak of her powers in both rankings by my numbers right now. Um, and so, you know, there's, she is still like kind of on the come up, I think in terms of where her, you know, her ceiling is, you mentioned the, the wrinkles she's added to her game. I think that will matter. Um, and, but <clears throat> Robachna is, uh, you know, she's ice cold. We jokingly call Un- her a robot. Unflappable. <laughs> unflappable. Yeah, yeah. Unflappable. And the only thing that was able to slow her down in 2023 was illness. Uh, she, you know, came down with uh, two bouts of COVID, apparently, one at the French Open and one at the U.S. Open, I believe. That's right. Um, and, uh, like, it was pretty clear watching her play. She was physically unwell. Um, and if you watched any of her performance in Brisbane, she's well. <laughs> she is. She's quite well. Were you were you, on, um, uh, the, were you on Rabakina with me at plus 140 against Sabalenka? Plus- yeah, didn't understand that price. Yep. Didn't bet it as big as I should have. Yeah, um, nor, nor did I, but I bet it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Didn't didn't end up watching much of that match because there wasn't <laughs> much of that match to watch. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean, like, uh, she. I'm not exactly sure why she didn't just withdraw from Adelaide. Why she went there and played a couple rounds. I was surprised before, by know, that kind of too. Out. Yeah. Um. But you know, you know, she's she's trying to get back in in form. I, you know, she she I think she recognizes that 2023 was a little bit of a lost year. Um, and she's uh, she's definitely a sleeping giant to the tune of her skill set is is kind of perfectly paired with these conditions. And uh, she does have a, a bit of a giant slayer when it comes to kind of head to head success against Ega that I think uh, should uh, kind of keep people um, you know who have maybe bet a little bit too much ego uh to win the title i'm, gonna I'm be, raising uh, my hand uh, yeah. for those who i'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. be a little uh i'm gonna be a little <laughs> nervous and like i have no rabakana uh i think she is should be your second choice for this one uh and if she goes out early in this tournament because something crazy happens uh there's going to be a uh, a long loud sigh of relief from i think a lot of the uh the ego backing community here um i am, are, I am I, in yeah. so deep with ego <laughs> and the and, and the combination yeah. of the ravens and niners i am oh, in so gracious. deep so i'm raising oh, my hand gracious. yeah go ahead. Um, i'm sorry go so ahead. i guess here's here's a little bit of hope then um Robakin is draw is no good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. This is a tough draw too. She's got to play Plishkova in round one. Plishkova's, uh, you know, she's got to serve. She's she's the Isner of the uh, women's side, I suppose. Uh, maybe a little bit better uh, in terms of what like sustained success. Although I think they probably have pretty comparable careers in terms of slam success. Um, but uh, but I would agree yeah, with you. The, better uh, overall than Isner. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I I think. Uh, uh, you know, Pliskova can beat you if her serve is, is on form in a given day. Um, I think uh, the rest of that section for Rubakana is not especially spooky. I mean, Col- you know, Kalinina, Kalinina uh, you know, definitely has a high ceiling because Akina is not going to take much more than a game or two off Rubakana, I don't think. Um, but then the bottom half has a couple of players who definitely could defeat Rubakana in a quarterfinal. Uh, and I think it starts with uh, Zheng Shinwen. Uh, I still rate her very, very high. Her, um, uh, I by the way, I saw her at the U.S. Open, watched a match she played in. Yeah. Um, she is deceptively impressive physically. Oh, she's like she's she's huge. Yeah, and Rubakina is too. Like Rubakina is also like surprisingly yeah. like like very very uh, tall and strong. Uh, and uh, you know both both players like you know they both feel like 
almost um what's the right word like manufactured in a lab to be good women's tennis players <laughs> <laughs> like, like they're just they're built for this yes like they're built for it yes uh and so zhang rabakana would be my uh my second quarter quarterfinal and i'll be honest i'll probably gonna bet zhang at price in that match if it's like plus 200 ish and yet uh, or and better yet, and yet what's interesting is iga seems to own her a little bit yeah surely Surely, yeah. yeah. I mean, because uh, yeah, Zhang Xinwen is extremely talented, extremely high level, um, but inexperienced, right? Like, like uh, definitely doesn't have the reps of how to solve problems on the tennis court, as far as I can tell you. Um, and uh, and so I would look at uh, you know, like if 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 you know, Ige is a problem solver, absolutely, right? Um, you know, so there's there's definitely opportunity for Rabakana to get popped before uh, a, a semifinal head-to-head with Iga. Um, I, I don't know. What would you expect if, 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 if this goes chalk, if we have Iga, Rabakana, semifinal, what kind of price uh, would you expect market to give us? A... It's a great question. Knowing what the market has done in the past, they still give Iga so much respect. I Surely, think we'll yeah. see a price that I will feel will be unjustly high. So I think we'll get Iga just south of $2. And I, okay. my reaction will be, uh-oh, that's too high. Okay. Okay. So you think fair should be more like minus 180 plus 180, minus 160 plus 160-ish? No, I think it should be even lower. I think it should be about minus oh, 160, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just, um, but that's but that's me knowing that Rabakina is, you know, look, Rabakina, just to get to make it clear what you were saying, <laughs> Svitolina, her potential. So it's for, for Iga. It's Kennan, who's won who won the twenty twenty pre pandy. The pre pandy, pre pandemic yeah. uh Australian Open, Kennan. Then it's either uh Kerber, who's looking at great form, she's won multiple slams, or Danielle Freaking Collins in round two. We have a big Sigma Derby performance going on over here. Oh, wow. Sorry about that. Wow. Big, big <laughs> excitement at Sigma Derby adjacent to me. Um, either Buskova or Noskova, third round. Then Svitolina, Svitolina beat Iga in the quarterfinals of Wimbledon last year. Then it's Ostapenko. She beat Iga in the round of 16 at the U.S. Open. Then it is Rabakina or Jesse Pagula. If it's Rabakina, round of 16 Australian Open, she beat Iga last year. And she beat yeah. Iga in the semifinals of Indian Wells, let us not forget. So because oh. of that history... I do mute the Ega number against her in a way that I do not against anybody else. Okay. You? Yeah. I think. Yeah. No, I think that's completely fair. Um, the my guess is what Ega and her team have put in terms of work in the off season has been to try to counter yeah. the strength of Bakana specifically. Would yeah. be my guess. I think you're the right. Indian Wells. The Indian Wells loss was the one result on Ega's entire twenty twenty three resume that I think you stay up at night thinking about if you're like really have high conviction that she's the best player. I did. Yeah. I did. I stayed up. <laughs> yeah. I lost sleep. Yeah. I did. That um, was a that was a bad one. Um I was so fa I was so fanboying at that tournament it's not it's ridiculous. But I I think it's to your point though, like she's the she's the one that is sort of out there as the <laughs> The monster lurking. And also, by the way, your yeah. point about the robotic nature of, not a robotic, but like born to be tennis players. Rab Rabakina and uh, Zhang Xinwen, 
I did, first of all, you were pausing. I didn't know which way you were going to go with that because I thought you were going to be like, Zhang Xinwen is the most gorgeous player I've ever, you know, I didn't know what you were going to say. <laughs> oh, um, she is gorgeous. But she yeah, is gorgeous. Um, but yeah, no, you would think, right, that Zhang Xinwen, remember when Zhang Xinwen played Eagle, was it at the French Open? It was on clay. I think it was at Roland Garrison. She won a set off of her. Was she it? won the first set tiebreak. Yeah. Yeah. I only said that was like the only set that Ego lost on clay. I feel like that entire cycle. I right? think it was. And, I and, and at that point you were like, oh, this is the girl to beat right here. Yeah. She's got it. Yeah. But since then, Iga's kind of owned her. It's Rabakina. That's the one. Like, And to your, also to your point, Sabalenka doesn't scare me in the same way. She really doesn't. If you're an Iga person. Yeah. Cause I, I yeah. mean, the, 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 um, I'm not expecting, you know, you have to beat Iga. Iga's not going to beat herself. Yeah. Um, you absolutely have to beat Rabakina. She's, unless she's, you know, obviously physically unwell. Um, Sabalenka is entire, there's an entire low, her floor on a given day in my distribution of, expect, of expectation, significantly lower than the other players. Yes. Because she can play her way out of a match just mentally. Uh, and double faulting, <laughs> like there are two, there are two ways she has proven to play her way out of yeah. the match, out of a match. Um, and also she's got still, uh, you know, even though I know she overcame it a couple of times last year, particularly, you know, US Open and Australian Open, she overcame it, but she has a, a semifinal boogeyman still, which is weird. Remember <laughs> like the, uh, remember the, fr get it. the French Open semi against Mukova? Who's by the way not in yeah. this tournament on the on the ladies side? Mukova yeah. is not playing. Benchich, Andrescu, Kvitova, Keys, no, none of them are playing. But yeah, that I mean, she had that match done. She had won that match, and then Mukova ended up losing a coming back miraculously and winning that. Um, just mental strength at that point, yeah. and then lost to Sviatek in a in a pretty good competitive final at uh, Roland Garros. All right, yeah. so and on, like you, you don't need you don't need to believe us, like yeah. You know, she she choked the Roland Garros semifinal against Mukova. She choked the uh, semifinal in Wimbledon against Ons. Although we could maybe give Ons a little bit of credit, she played phenomenally well in the third set there. Um, and she she was determined to choke out of the gate against Madison Keys in the U.S. Open. 06 in that first set. That's she right. She looked like she wanted to be anywhere else than on a tennis court. It was crazy. I have no idea how she came, got back into that and uh, ultimately uh, won 7-6, seven, 7-6 six, seven, six in the following two, uh, two sets. But, uh, yeah, she's got a boogeyman in okay. the semifinal round. So on the men's side, just to clarify, you have a bet on Sinner to win it all, and you bet no on, no, on Djokovic? Yeah, that's all I've got out right. Okay. Yep. On the women's side, then what did you and bet? I, I, I also think on the men's side, if you want to get weird and you know Djokovic, Sinner, Alcaraz, quarter, quarter, you know, quarter parlay, not crazy. Yeah, which I would leave Medvedev. I would leave. You would leave Medvedev out. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we'll get into this player by player thing here on the women's side. But just what are your bets on the women's side? Then what did so all that said, you still you still like me bet on Iga though. Yeah, and I missed best of price on or to get some to get off of that because I bet I bet Iga um, when she was just freaking like lighting the world on fire in the United Cup. Oh yeah, um, I was like, oh yeah, no way, anyone, no one's gonna be able to touch her. Yeah. And then at the same time, Rabakina was proving that she was very clearly in form. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, uh, nothing. I, I don't think Rabakina is a fair play at price for the Q2 because Zhang is good enough, and we didn't even mention Jess Pagula. She's in Q2 as well. Her numbers, um, her numbers are yeah. still great, man. 
still great. They're still great. Yep. Yeah. She's just a, she's just a rock solid good player. This is her probably her best surface, her best chance. Um, people would maybe say U.S. Open just because it's home soil, but these conditions are a little bit better for her, I think. Kelly, um, Kelly was so funny on uh, <laughs> earlier this week on a numbers game. We were talking. And Kelly's not as big of a tennis better as we are, but he, sure. he when I brought up Pagula, he said, "Is she uh, is she going to be okay financially if she loses in this tournament?" He did mention <laughs> <laughs> the the heiress to the uh, Pagula uh, billions. Rather, yeah. Terry Pagula, her yeah. father, the owner of the uh, Bills and the Sabers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so... There's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday... You can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so so I'm sorry, I interrupted. Your your bets then are? Yeah, no, all, all I've got out right now Iga. is Iga. Iga, okay. Um, but I, and I think if, if you're, you're going to get weird long shotty uh, in the uh, women's side, you got to look bottom half. Uh, and I think... Um, uh, the, uh, the draw kind of is pretty open in Q3 just because Coco Goff for whatever it's worth, like her, her market price is, is just a bit too high, uh, I think. And, uh, you know, she benefited pretty obviously from home court at the U S open and went on just like the run of her life through, uh, the entire U S hard court swing. Her, her whole um, career, Dan Weston yeah. does it. Dan Dano did a great job on on Coco, even from her beginnings. She's always been chronically overpriced, even in yeah. even, even after her first bout of success, right before she won a slam, even. Um, yeah, she, I mean, because like people want to bet on the next great young American player. Like yeah. you'd be like, oh, this is the next Serena. I want to be player until she wins. Well, that she won. Okay. <laughs> She had a great, she had a great summer, Cincinnati and yeah, the U.S. Great Open. Summer. She had a great, great summer. summer. And I, and she's a great story. Like that was an yep. emotional U.S. Open final for sure. Like I, I loved, loved seeing it. Loved you know running up in the stand and hugging her dad and all that it was just dude, it was awesome. Dude, I, I don't know if yeah. we've ever talked about this. I, I said this on on the radio side. 
I, and I don't know it's because I helped raise a girl, right, from the age of sure. six to she's now, she's now 17. But when, I mean, I don't really get, like, openly emotional and stuff. I did cry during the Bee Gees documentary, I should point out. So maybe I do as I get older. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but when Coco started just Charlie Brown tears when she won, I just, yeah. like, I started crying. <laughs> like, I couldn't, but I'm not a Coco guy, right? Like, I'm an Ega guy. But, like, I, like, yeah. lost it, dude. I couldn't believe it. I was, like, wiping tears away. I, I, I don't know what that was. But I think it, it, I, I related it to, to, my, to my Gracie, and I was just like, wow. Like, I've been there before. I know what that, not that she won a slam or anything, but I just know what it is for a girl to, to have those emotions. It was just amazing. Of course. Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, I haven't I haven't fully gotten here yet, and I got we I have two kind of key questions for you on okay. the bottom half because I you know I, I I won't tip my hand here, but uh, I think I I honestly think the third quarter winner comes out of uh, a round one match, and I can probably guess which one. <laughs> um, and then and then uh, your fourth quarter winner, I gotta think that this is probably the last time you can swing on price on Andreva. Um, I, I, I have again, solid line through on solid line through Kachikova, uh, Alexandrova played too deep into this week, uh, to be a contender in my opinion, Sam Sonova might as well just go home. Um, Vekic, Serenko, like neat. None of these players <laughs> realistically can go toe to toe with Sabalenka. Um, so I, I will never forget. Yeah. We've talked about this before on this podcast, but I will never forget being on a flight, having Sam Sonova. <laughs> And literally, like, watching the score and her just barfing eight yeah. set points, was it? Or match? I can't remember what it was. Yeah. And I'm just like, never again. Never again. That Tom was her Janovich big... got her. Tom Janovic yeah. got her. That's right. Before, was yeah. that the same tournament Tom, Tom Lanovich beat Serena? Was that the same I tournament? It was. It was the next yeah. round. She next round. Serena, right. Right. I, I, I don't think there's a player on the women's side in the last two years who I've lost more on and against than Sam Sonova. I yeah. can't figure her out to save my life. I can't either. She's my... Yeah. So she's congratulations my... to winning the fourth quarter, I guess, because I do not believe in her at all right now. <laughs> so I will be, I will That's be right. blown away. She's... I will be blown away if she makes a run here. All right. So your two questions. The first one was... What match will will Q3 come down to? I'm guessing it's Andreva versus Coco. Is that the match? Oh no! At the, I, I'm, I'm, I think there's a round one match in oh. Q3 that will decide uh, oh. that will decide that quarter. Oh, and it's, uh, hold on! Don't tell me! Don't tell me! Don't okay. Tell me. Okay. Let me, let me make sure I'm looking at the third quarter. This is always tough on the sure. uh, on the uh, WTA <laughs> site. Let's see. Uh, the f first round match in the third quarter. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about Haddad Maya and Fruvertova, or Lynette no. and, or Lu oh, you, come on, not <laughs> not Garcia and Osaka, right? No. Yes. Really? Yeah. I think uh, I think that's your at least in terms of ceiling. That's uh, I think the second potentially the second and third best players in Q3 after Goff. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting because Garcia yeah. is definitely not in top form. And Osaka's Osaka. We set off of Iga at the United Cup. I don't know, man. She did. She did. Um, and Osaka, we don't. We have no idea what we're getting, do we? No, no idea. idea. No idea. Yeah. No. no. Osaka. Definitely, uh, you know, de definitely uh, like a good enough player, I think, on hard court that uh, we shouldn't be shocked uh, if she does some crazy. And I guess maybe the the broader commentary here is that Q3 is very weak. Very weak. Really, really. That's weak. right. Uh, and so, I mean, so is Q4. Like, I, you know, I, I, I think the bottom half of the draw, um, if I had any kind of more, any kind of higher confidence in Sabalenka, not 
bottling it at some point, I would say that this is don't be stupid. She's making the final and she might not lose a set. But um, yeah, no, I think I think you can definitely convince me that uh, um, that uh, the winner of uh, Garcia uh, Osaka ends up, you know, going the distance there. You know, that that looks like the kind of match that could battle hard in Osaka to the, you know get her in shape, it's get good, her in it's a good call. Uh, form. And Garcia, um, and Garcia, guess, yeah, Garcia only knows one way to play, which is like full force yeah. at you. So yeah, yeah, that's right. All, all, all out. Uh, you know, full, full on, all out. Um, uh, Garcia, I thought played Ostapenko very well in uh, round of sixteen at Adelaide. Uh, Adelaide again. She did. She did take a set off of Iga in the United Cup. Uh, ultimately, lost six one six one afterwards. But um, you know, she's she she, she got Pal, she she beat Paulini this year. You know, there there definitely are there's some signs that she's closer to what we expected at the beginning of, you know, she, I think she might've suffered too in 2023 from playing too much in 2022, but who knows? Um, the, uh, the Garcia, uh, the Osaka side of it is, um, she showed flashes in her first couple matches before losing to, uh, Pliskova. Um, to me, uh, the fact that you get a day in between, Every match is huge. At a slam is, is huge. huge for her. That's right? true. So the fit, true. the fitness side of things are are a little bit less concerning, um, and uh, just in general, the fact that she got such a soft quarter is interesting. She's obviously has the mental side of things in general, although, you know, I, you know playing well, like she's she's like volatile mentally both ways, right? Playing well, like it builds. Playing poorly, like it, you know, kind of comes unraveled. But, I used to call, um, I used to call her Steely before she got into all the sure. other stuff. I used to call her that all the time. She is. She sure. And, and it does, I'm glad you mentioned her, and I would have also, but like we talk about Iga. <laughs> Iga's won four slams. None of these other girls sure. have won. You know, none of the modern, the, the young players of Iga's age have won more than one. Coco's yeah. won one. Sabalenka's won one. Rabakina's won one. Um, right. But but Naomi Osaka won four. She yes, won she four. Um, two at the Australian Open, two at the U.S. Open, so all on hard courts. And this was like in the 2018 to 2020 range. I guess the last Australian Open was at the beginning of 2021. 2021. And right. then she went and she, she had mental health struggles. And then she went and she had a baby or babies, plural, I'm not sure. Um no longer with her boyfriend, by the way. They broke up, her, her baby daddy. So she is all about the tennis again. And so, I mean, it, it is incumbent upon us, to, you're, you're right, to mention that she, at her best, and she's only 26, right? So it's not like this is somebody tr coming back when they're 35 years old. Like, she could regain this. She could. Oh, surely, surely. Yeah. Um, Wouldn't that be probably awesome? I, we've been doing these a while. Yeah. I bet you we talked about it after her 2021 or or into the 2021, because she won back to back. Um, she did, she's done it twice now. She won back to back hard court slams. Yeah, U.S. Open 19, 18, US 19, Aussie, 20, That's right. 2021 U.S. Aussie. Right. And I remember after the 2021, or maybe it was after the 2020 U.S. Open. I was like, well, if you got. If you got uh, a good price on Osaka, like congratulations, that's the last time that's ever going to happen for a hardcore <laughs> slam for the rest of our lives. That's right. And it, it ended up only being one more time. Yeah, <laughs> she was the favorite, and 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 took it took it home because it all kind of came unraveled after that. But um, yeah, I mean, I I would expect that uh, um, you know she clearly has the, I mean she's got the she's got the resources. She's one of the most you know well she's one of the wealthiest athletes on earth. Oh uh, my god, second. 
she's the second highest earner uh, and of all women athletes last year, despite playing zero matches. Like, you know, she's she's got all of the support you could ever ask for, um, you know, financially, and and that should help her kind of recapture the physical, you know, peak of her powers type of uh, um, type of form. She's 26, so she's still well within her window where she would be expected to be at or near her peak or be able to recapture that form. Like, she has the weapons to succeed on hard court. She definitely, I don't think, should be overlooked. Um, it may be too early. Um, it may, but uh, you know, the Aussie open offers weird stuff sometimes like Serena won this one year while pregnant because other, the other women in the tour were just kind of not really ready yet for the, you know, for the, the season to start. Like, you know, that there is definitely, it would be, it would be insane. I think for her to win this title. Um, but considering the fact that a win over Garcia would then open up a head to head against the winner of um, Seville, Fretch, and then the Potapova, Juvan, Putin, Seva. Like the, the second and third rounds could be very, very soft. And then if you have Goff, Osaka, and Osaka has three wins under her belt, and she's got a full day to you know kind of rest and prepare for that match, she could definitely beat Goff. And at that point, the top the top half of Q3 is way way soft. So. Um, it's funny. I don't think it's crazy at all that Osaka could get to uh, um, the semifinals here, win Q3, and at that point, Sabalenka have the uh, the ghosts, and does Osaka make a final here uh, where she gets hopefully gets obliterated by Ika? We'll see. Get you're getting me pumped. Um, <laughs> ten, tennis is better with Naomi Osaka. Good. By the way, just, I, I was curious because you said like you know. I, I just went down the rabbit hole of top paid female athletes in the calendar year of 2023. Iga number one, a uh, freestyle skier by the name of Eileen Goo. Ah, Goo. Goo. The, the traitor. Oh, is she a traitor? Is she like, what do you remember when we were handicapping like the, uh, the, um, <laughs> yes. the, the Beijing Olympics in 2022? She, she, yeah. she, uh, she gave up her U.S. citizenship oh, to become a Chinese citizen. Benedict to, to, Arnold. To compete, under, to compete under the Chinese flag. It was, uh, 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 it was brutal. And then she went on and won three gold medals. Yeah. She's number two. Coco's three. Radicanu is four. And Radicanu didn't win a damn thing, right? This is all off the court. Yeah. Naomi yeah. Osaka was number five. You're right. Off, off, all off court. Fifteen million dollars in endorsements. Uh, six was Sabalenka. Seven was Jesse Pagula. Eight was Venus. Venus. Wow. Oh man. Wow. Rebecca a nine, and Lila Fernandez was ten. How about Lila? There you go. Um, but yeah, like so many of those are are all off court stuff. Naomi Osaka, Venus, um, being the uh, the two that uh, jump off the page there. So. And Emma Raducanu by the th by being the third. Uh, okay, so let's do that. Uh, let's do the word. Uh, uh, so, so again, the, the bets you have, you have Iga, but not at, when you made it was during during the swing here at the end of the calendar year. So, what pr right price did you get her at? Uh, I want to say two twenty. Yeah, I got three. To, I got a three to one. Barely better than you can currently bet. Yeah. <laughs> barely better. Yeah. I got I got a stray yeah. three to one. It got as low as like plus one eighty ish, and then after the draw, it kind of ticked back up a little north of two. So let's just do some word yeah. word association with some players. Um, okay. I guess you covered Coco Golf, but do you rank her fourth in your in your like behind the yeah. big three? That's four. Yeah, four for her. Okay. Yeah. No, she quick. There's a, and there's and then there's a gap after that. After that. Where do you put Jesse yeah. Pagula? What like we 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 sort of she's, fifth. she's yeah. what she's, she's up fifth. she's fifth. she's, she's yeah. fifth, but um, she's the kind of player that um, 
up against the big three. Not not interested. Yeah, her numbers are so good though. Like it's incredible. Uh, all right, we talked briefly about uh, Iga having to play Alina Svitolina. Did you get the impression with her like she can beat anybody on any day? I guess I don't know. I'm kind of ready for her to not be a disappear. <laughs> yeah, I, I love look like I'm, first couple years I was betting tennis. Svitolina was coming up, and she was just a great, great player to back like yeah. off out of out of slams, and then just burn money in slams. And I was like, okay, well I get it now. And the fact that she's turned it around to where she can, you know, be the spoiler at slams is amazing. Um, I don't think she realistically has a chance to win, though. Ostapenko, the hamburger that is Yelena Ostapenko. Yeah, man. Oof. Uh, she's in that t next tier, but uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think, uh, again, I guess if there were the in, in just in just in general order, I think Iga's approach to offseason changes were focused at combating the power that is brought to the table by Rabakina, Sabalenka, and Ostapenko. Ostapenko. Like those are the those are the three players she's consistently had uh, the most uh, trouble solving, uh, and I think uh, a lot of what her game uh, has been adapted to for this tournament has been to combat that. So I'm not I'm not scared of Ostapenko at all, um, but she's <laughs> obviously she's obviously capable of doing damage. Even the way you said that, I'm like. <laughs> It's like part of you was like <laughs> making yourself believe I'm not scared of her at all. Um, no, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> Vika Azarenka, anything there? No, no. No. So. Haddad Maya, Beatrice Haddad nope. Maya? Not interested. Where, where, okay, Mira Andreva, you just said this last time we're probably getting a good price on her, right? I would say so, yeah. And it's not crazy to see her get to a quarterfinal here. This may be like kind of her kind of quasi breakout. Um, obviously, like if you see some of the match prices for her, like nobody is going to be caught by surprise. Yeah. <laughs> like the, she is very well supported. Yes, uh, in the betting markets. She, uh, she made a she made round three last year at the French Open, round four at Wimbledon, only the second round at the U.S. Open. Uh, this is effectively her first go at it in the Australian Open. And um, of all the players that have yet to really succeed on tour, uh, she is what is she career high ranking is currently oh she's currently uh, 47 her career high is 46 uh very very realistic to expect she gets into the top eight this year who's the best player she's beaten um she's dispatched most of the middle class probably krachikova uh at wimbledon maybe Oh, did she beat Krzyzewa? Um, I had her last week, and I won on her against. I, I had her again in the Samsonova match, and then she got beat right after that, right? Didn't she? No, she won the next round. What happened in the at Brisbane? She got beat, though, right after that. Anyway, so, okay, Mira Andreva, you, you were the first person to bring her up uh, last year, I believe it was. That the whatever well, podcast we did when we talked about Andreva and we talked about uh, I, I think Sarah Bachelik. Like, I yeah. I don't deserve really any credit for that because the market was like way way way. Oh yeah. yo, you know what it was? Her her big her big breakout was uh, Madrid last year. She went uh, she as a wild card. She beat Layla Fernandez, Beatrice Adamaya, Magdalenette, oh, right. all convinc all convincingly, and then lost to Sabalenka in the round of sixteen at Madrid. 
um, and then back that up by going by blasting through qualifying uh, and then um, uh, winning two matches uh, at Roland Garros. And then people were uh, the mark. The market was way hot on her really, really quickly. Um, her wins at Roland Garros were impressive in quality of play, but against weak opponents, uh, Allison Risk and Diane Perry. And then Coco Goff, she went off as a favorite against Coco in round three. Coco beat her. Uh, and Coco lost, beat her. lost yeah. in three. Yeah, she yeah. lost uh, six, seven, six, one, six, one. Or you know, seven six one six one six. I guess. I remember we're, watching that match. Yeah, I don't think I was involved, but I remember watching. Uh, all right, real real quick, last names. Uh, you can just yeah, as short as you want to give them to me. Krajikova. Uh, not interested. Marketa Vondrasova, not in top form here. Not interested. Yeah, both of those are form and health questions. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Magda Lynette. Does she? She Magda Lynette got far in this tournament last year, which is why I must bring. I must have uh, noted to yeah. bring her up. She got to the semis last Super. year. Super fluky. Yeah. Super <laughs> yeah. No. If she had not cleared out Q3, I don't think Sabalenka uh, would have gotten over some of the final demons. Um, and then I'm contractually obligated to bring up Emma Raducanu. Any thoughts okay. on her? Uh, glad to have her back. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's good enough. <laughs> tough. tough uh, That's good enough. <laughs> tough, uh, tough, tough draw for her. Um, yeah. She's going to have, I mean, I like, I, you know, I want to call her U.S. Open fluky. Um, it was obviously a surprise, but uh, I think uh, she has a lot to prove in terms of being able to stay fit and healthy over, you know, over a fortnight. You know who I want to be great, but like alternately I back her in a win and then I will turn right around and back her in a loss is Anna Kalinskaya. Hmm. Yeah. She got a nice, uh, nice draw. She could she could make a she can make a round four here pretty comfortably, I think. Yeah. She's got good numbers too. Uh okay. First round matchups on the ladies' side, and there are some great ones, man. Yeah. Uh your girl Bielik is taking on Leela. Leela's a big favorite of that one. Mm. Um, yeah. Don't yeah. don't uh yeah. don't think I'm gonna get involved, but I saw that price. Samsonova and Nisimova is interesting. Samsonova. Yeah, I bet over two dollars. I bet on uh, I bet on uh, double A there. Double A, did you? did you? You took her on the money line. Yeah. Come on, Amanda. Get back to where you were. Please. <laughs> it's amazing, though. Kennan won this tournament. I'm just looking at the lines of these. Kennan won this tournament four years ago, and Iga is minus three, minus three, 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 three on the money line over at Bookmaker. Uh, what about Angelique Kerber and Danielle freaking Collins? Where Collins is a uh, minus 250 favorite, and Angelique Kerber looked really good here in the short term. Yeah, I think Kerber is a perfectly fine shot there. Dan Daniel freaking Collins does not look great at all. I do um, too. I think I will be betting yeah. on Kerber there. Um, yeah, Kerber is a fine fine look there. Yeah. Buskova, Noskova. I guess you called your shot. You like Noskova? Noskova? Yeah. yeah, I like Noskova. Um, that might be the best match around one. It, Actually, no. It, Gar Garcia Osaka is the best match around one. Right. That one's number two. You're right. I think that's number two. Um, doo -ba -doo -ba -doo -ba -doo. So I'm just scaling down here. Tom Janovich, Petra Martic is interesting. Petra Martic is a minus 175 favorite. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I think Tom Janovich, albeit, you know, higher pedigree at slams. Um, how about huge the, layoff. How about the, off for her. Vika, Vika has a rank of minus 250 against Camila Georgie. Yeah, it's a lot of respect for Georgie. Not there. <laughs> a lot of respect for Georgie. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I, I would have had I would have had Azar I have Azarenka closer to three hundred. Oh, okay. I didn't expect that anyway. Uh let's see. I'm just scanning down these. 
Pliskova and Rabakina. Great match. Pliskova is plus 462. Yeah, I think. Plus five and a half. <laughs> Still think my numbers great. My numbers, yeah, my yeah. numbers say uh, just, just shy of minus 600, plus 600 there. Yeah. Uh, Volleynets and Kalinskaya. That's really for the tennis hardos out there. That Kalinskaya minus 244. See, that scares me a little bit. Nah, she can straight set her. Okay. Um, let's see here. Bolter, you way you want. That's pretty tightly lined. Shelby Rogers and Raducanu. Raducanu is a big favorite. Minus 345. Yeah. Okay. Don't agree. It's too high, right? Too high. Yeah, yeah too, too high. high. Low conviction in Shelby Rogers, obviously. Yeah, but, that's um, that's uh, that's that's uh, that's the kind of match where if you put that in a parlay, you are sweating bullets. Oh yeah, you as don't... She loses the first. That's set, right. Three six. Do You're not like, what? Do not put what that in happening? your first round money line parlay. I'm glad to hear that you do that too, Drew. That you do money <laughs> line course. parlays. Yeah, I love this. Yeah. Like, they're too cool for school. Like, like, if I mention that by Fezzik, he like gets so mad at me. I'm like, Steve, I do it all oh, the time in tennis. Come on. Dude. The the make the the uh, make the cut parlay in um uh in, at the Masters is like it's fundamentally minus CV. I know it. I don't care. I don't care. It's fun. I don't care. It's phenomenal. Because <laughs> yes. you know what? I have won much. I, I have won past my fair share of those in my of tennis course. betting career. Yeah. Uh, of course. Wozniacki and Lynette. Wozniacki's minus one fifty two. That's interesting. <sighs> Yikes. Yeah. Uh, that is a very aggressive price for Wozniacki. All right. You mentioned Osaka and Garcia. Osaka Garcia is, if not for the Seville Magdalena fresh match, the closely, the most closely, and there's a couple others that are closely aligned, like Zidancic and uh, Podoroska. But Naomi Osaka is by pennies a favorite over Carolyn Garcia right now. So that is about as coin flippy as it gets. Yes. Wow. You have a play I on mean, that? You're taking Naomi? Eileen Osaka. Okay. I think uh, I think I think that's a match though that goes three. Uh, I think uh, Osaka two one as a correct score is a is a lot of fun. Um, and uh, I think what, what's the fair price? I mean, actually, let me look at my fair on that. My fair for Osaka two one is about plus two fifty, and you can get plus three forty ish out there at some spots right now, uh, which looks like a good bet. Um, Osaka, uh, the over in that the one over. looks very solid to me. The, the I, over, I, I would be, I would be, I would be quite surprised if either of these women like is is quick work for either of these. I already, women. Ha so I already have that one in the bet slip. The over twenty two and a half on that. Twenty two and a half. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, because like that, realistically, that could get home seven six six four. Like that would not surprise me at all. Um, so yeah, the over uh, in that match is a good one, and that one again, you kind of have to watch, I think, because that's going to tell you a lot about who's going to win Q3. See, the problem with that one is that is right when. Oh, I don't know, it's not scheduled yet, so I shouldn't say that. Don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Don't, when that don't one know when that one is yet. Okay. Not on the OOP yet. No. Anything else that I didn't mention? I mean, Paula Bedosa and Taylor Townsend. God, oh, God, that's a good one too. Taylor Townsend for me in that one. She's always live. I love Paula Bedosa, but yeah. I don't. I, I don't think uh, I don't think Bedosa's ready yet to to be uh, competing at a high level at Slam Tennis. So she's in love, uh, Drew. She's in love. Again? She's in love. In oh, love with who? <laughs> Stefano oh. Stitsipas. Uh, I thought they. I thought that was over. I thought uh, Bedosa Pass was a was a was a crash and burn. It is. Oh man, I'm I don't way know. behind. I have the no time. idea. I think Bedosa's back on the market. Come on. She was. Uh, she had like a BFF thing going with one of the other women's players. I thought. Hold on. Uh, oh no, maybe they are back together. Maybe they are together. Oh, I see, I, I'm all over the place here. Um, I'll tell you what, though. 
Uh, Taylor Townsend, I have some Taylor Townsend money line against Bedosa. Yeah, Sorry. that's why I bring it up, because Taylor Townsend seems very live in that match. Um, yeah. Let's see. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, Sigmund has very good numbers, but I don't trust her against Alexandra. What about you? By the way, we never talked about your girl, uh, Ans. How do you feel about her in this tournament? Uh, well, we're Ans and I are not in a good place. Um, yeah. Drew, just to give background yeah. on this, Drew Dinsick, uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> uh, had Ans to win Wimbledon, not this past year, but the year before, at 33 to 1. And she got all the way to the finals, like she did this year, by the way, this past year. She got all the way to the finals, and Elena Rubakina. Just destroyed her and and won her first line. I will say this: I'll never forget when Atlanta Rabakina won that. How nonplussed she seemed by the yeah, whole thing. She was like, "Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, cool! I won! I won a slam!" I guess I'll go get a sandwich now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fish and chips, <laughs> anyway. But that that yeah. was that was your big Ons disappointment. And then Ons. Yeah. I mean, it does feel like you talk about you know like Andre Rublev has this quarterfinal thing and Arena Sabalenka has this semifinal thing. Yeah. Ons has a finals thing, man. Like it ain't ever yeah. gonna happen, is it? Um, well, she won Madrid. <laughs> I'm just talking about slam. I know, yeah. I know. I, I yeah. she needs a we we you know I, I I wisely did not get involved in the ons futures last year, so there was no heartbreak. But um, I mean, it was heartbreak from a fan standpoint, but not from a financial standpoint. Um, and I got I got I biggest win for me of the entire tennis calendar, more than Alcaraz, Wimbledon, more than uh, Djokovic, U.S. Open or French Open was. Uh, I got the ons uh, semifinal against. Uh, uh, Sabalenka. I was in deep pre-match. I got more in-match at six to one. Uh, I was up to my gills that uh, Sabalenka was going to find a way. I thought she was going to find her way out of that, but really, Ons just played out of her mind in that one. Um, and uh, yeah, and then you saw the price for Ons in Wimbledon final, and it was massive. And you're like, uh oh. Um, <laughs> I was in Korea. Yeah. I was in Korea Deja at the time. All over again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was in Korea, so like I was kind of out of it during Wimbledon, but I did. I was following, of course, and I was betting it. And I was just like, I didn't see any of it though because of the hours. And I was just like, wow, what happened there? Um, yeah. yeah. You yeah. and I, I was, I was saying this. I go, Drew and I did a whole Wimbledon uh, Slam podcast. We never once mentioned Marketa Vondrasova, and your answer correctly was, why would we have? <laughs> why why would we? Uh, she um, had played two grass matches in her life or yeah. something insane like that. That's like ridiculous. there was zero reason to think she was going to break out. So yeah. we'll characterize why you and Ans are not in a good place because of those result, because of that result, or just because of the way she's playing. No, I, yeah. her, uh, her form for this tournament does not look great for me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, me neither. I think I, and honestly, um, I need to I need to see her play some tennis, but uh, I think she's going through some physical changes that may impact her, um, you know, her game that could take, a, you know, until we get to the grass court part of the season for her to have worked things out. OK, all right. That's basically fair. I think she's on Ozempic to lose weight, and I think that might impact her. Oh, OK. That's my that's my read. We're just looking at her, but I don't know that to be true. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want Ozempic analysis or Bedosa Tsitsipas rumors, Drew is your guy. <laughs> That's why we do this. All right, I'm, I'm glad to hear we're, we're simpatico on a couple of the first round ladies. Like, I, I like Taylor Townsend, and I do like the over in Osaka Garcia. Not quite as bullish on Osaka. I mean, you made a great case for Osaka, and I hope you're right, because I think she's great for, the, for tennis. Um, it, and so that, that, I like, and Kerber. Kerber, to me, is way strangely priced. So I really like those on the uh, women's side, um, yeah. for sure. 
Um, okay. So Sinner is your big, you know, Sinner is a big thing for you. And obviously we're both in the tank for Iga here. This should be so much fun, man. This is going to be great. Um, enjoy it. So and in football, just remind everybody who you have in football. I know it's a tennis podcast, but people might be interested in what you have in football real quick. I got every dog except Miami, uh, and I like some unders this week, particularly in Detroit. Okay. Every dog except Miami. Uh, I got Pittsburgh plus the points. I got uh, I got Miami plus the points, even though I didn't get the best of that. I got Philly laying the points, and then somehow I talked myself into Houston plus the points, plus three, but I don't know how I did that. Uh, okay, Drew, good luck, man. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, love you for doing this. Shout out to Dan Weston again. We wish him a very speedy recovery. And uh, we'll get you on the division megapod, division round megapod for football. Ooh, and then yes. looking forward to that. Maybe we'll get our buddy Adam Chernoff on with us as well. We'll do that this yeah, coming what, week. Let's come on. What do you think fair price is going to be for Niners Packers? I'm just curious. And oh, then, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, the Bucks Rams, uh, tough one. Already advancing the Packers. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, thank you, Drew. Appreciate it again. Drew stuff. Whale underscore capper on Twitter, deep dive podcast. Um, and of course the best bets podcast from NBC sports. And you're always doing live stuff. Remind everybody what you do live. You're always oh, we'll on. be doing that. Yeah, every yeah. primetime game. If you want us, uh, if you want to uh, hang out with me and Andy and chop it up at halftime uh, of the primetime games, we'll uh, we'll try to find a winning bet. And if not, we'll at least be entertaining. Such a great idea. Such a great idea. Good for you. We're going Thank on like year seven of doing this. I don't know. I can't believe it's been this long. But <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's so great, man. It's awesome. All right. Uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch also during this tournament. Thank you, Drew. Drew Dinsick, right. everybody. Good luck with your bets, football, and tennis. Tennis especially, all weekend long. Enjoy. Thanks for listening. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.